Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I remember the time I was probably in second or third grade, and like my children do to me now, I did to my parents, I especially remember with my father, asking him all sorts of questions about what his life was like when he was in second grade or third grade and always being completely flabbergasted that he could not remember the amount of detail that I remembered about the second and third grade. I don't mean now. I mean when I was in second and third grade. Like, you don't remember the, your, your name of your teacher in third grade? You don't remember who your best friend was in third grade? And now, of course, I fully understand because I think I remember less of third grade than he remembered of his third grade. <laughs> we all need to be reminded and to remember, and we especially need to be reminded and remember God. Part of the path of an Orthodox Christian is a deep engagement with Scripture. This can always be a little bit of an adjustment, because it takes time to kind of readjust uh, for different people coming from different uh, trajectories, I'll say. So, for example, when I became Orthodox, from my background as a particular type of Protestant, it took a few years for me to feel confident. Confident's not the right word. <laughs> capable. Yeah, there we go. That confident. Capable uh, to have some of the tools to be able to come back to Scripture. Not that I left Scripture, but there was a whole lot of other stuff that I was processing. Because once your eyes open to the fact that you don't just pick up the Bible, open it up, and it's just kind of obvious to you, maybe you all already knew that, but it took 20-something years for me to realize that, uh, you need help, a guide, like the Ethiopian eunuch, needed Philip to help him understand what he was reading. But it takes us... Even if we don't come from that particular background, from other backgrounds, uh, we are daunted. Uh, it's scary. There's something that we don't feel like we're equipped. We don't have the ability to read scripture. On one hand, I want to say, you're right, actually. <laughs> you, it is daunting. It is hard because of what I just said, right? You can't just pick up scriptures and just start reading and just get it. But you don't get that if you pick up any literature. Have you ever tried to read a poem, and the first time you finish reading the poem, you say, what did I just read? I don't even remember what I read. Or you read it so slowly, you're like, I get the two lines, and then three lines later, you're like, I forgot what the first two lines were. And it takes reading it over and over. And then there's a different kind of knowing it once you memorize the poem. Or once you become really uh, involved with a piece of literature, Scripture has more depth, more space, more going on in it than a poem or Dostoevsky or Dickens or anybody else. Because Scripture has within it depth of God. This past Monday, which is usually a day off for me. Uh, what did I do on my day off but try to read the entire book of Exodus? Uh, 
which was actually very refreshing. Exodus is one of these books that I encourage you. It's not Leviticus, so I can at least say that, right? Leviticus, you get all, well, half of Exodus is kind of like Leviticus. But Leviticus is where you get all the details and details. You're like, did I really need to know how long this piece of fabric was? Or the answer is yes, you, it is, there is meaning there. You just maybe don't have the depth yet to get it. Uh, you'll need help to understand it. But reading through Exodus and coming across themes, the, the need to get into Scripture, to go back to what I was saying about second and third grade, to remember details, either things I didn't know before or things that I now have the ability to see that I didn't have the ability to see before. This is why the fathers of the church encourage us to do regular Bible reading. One is so we remember God, because let's be honest, it's very easy for us to forget God. Maybe not the abstract sense, right? We all basically, if somebody's asked if you believe in God, we'll say, yes, I believe in God. But to remember the specific ways in which he is present, provides, guides, intervenes, interferes or stirs things up or allows things to be stirred up so that we say, I need to repent. I need to wake up. I need to change my direction. Most of the time, we're in a fog. The reading of scripture allows us to see, to remember, to engage with a depth that usually evades us. It's also that scripture, to go back to the point of the difficulty of scripture, the fathers will talk about and kind of revel, they'll rejoice actually in the difficulty of scripture. Not for the fact that they were nerds and they just wanted to have all sorts of information and they, some of them were nerds, but they wanted and saw there that God actually purposefully put things <coughs> To trip you up, to make you go, wait a second, I'm noticing a pattern here. Wait a second, why at the beginning of Exodus, why is, you know, when God gives Moses these signs, because Moses isn't really sure, okay, why, why are you, what are you doing? And he gives it, why would his staff become a serpent? Oh, you think back, okay, I'm only two books into the Bible, so I have Genesis at least to think about besides thinking about the whole depth of scripture and what serpents can mean. And if you're reading the Septuagint, which I was reading a Septuagint translation, uh, it goes back and forth. In certain places it says serpent, in other places it says dragon. I think, who wants this? Oh yeah, the beginning of Genesis. Huh. Maybe there's something here about this. You get later on as Moses and Aaron, which really impressed upon me how essential Aaron was to this mission because most of my youth I think we focused on Moses which is fair but Aaron has an incredibly vital role to play we come to Exodus 17 they have left Egypt they have begun the habit the deep ingrained habit that we know from scripture about Israel of complaining 
We know about God providing for them in the midst of the desert. And then we have a war, a battle with the Amalekites. And the Amalekites requires Moses to bring Joshua, which I believe, if I remember correctly, this is the first time Joshua appears, which, of course, Joshua means Jesus. And he has Joshua take some mighty men. He, they go out to Amalek to fight. And Moses, and that rod that I referred to earlier, he has the rod and he's going to sit on the hill. So jo Joshua goes out to fight, and Moses goes up with his brother Aaron, and then a fellow named Hur, who will show up later in Exodus, they go up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands, this is chapter 17, verse 11, that Israel, when Moses had his hands up, Israel prevailed. But when he puts his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Now Moses' hands become heavy, as if you've ever tried to hold your hands up for a really long time. Well, there's a reason why you don't do it. It wears you out. You actually have to use your muscles. So Aaron and Hur come beside him and support his hands, and they even get out a stone, and he sits down on the stone, and all day he keeps his hands out so that they will defeat Amalek. Verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. All sorts of thoughts. This is one of these little passages that I would trip up on. I'm reading in a book about how Moses is going to write down in a book to tell Joshua about what he did. It's just interesting. This is because this book is written to be read to the people. So you're going to have them talking, a book being read aloud about how Moses is going to write in a book to be read aloud. All these little things. Who is Joshua? Should I be listening? What do I need to be paying attention to in this passage? If Moses writes this down as a memorial, what is important about it? And this is what he wants him to write down. I will utterly blot out remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Now, this doesn't mean, as you read through Scripture, that Amalek suddenly disappears. And this is the only place in Scripture that Amalek, Amalek, the Amalekites, become an issue. They're a problem in Scripture. Moses builds an altar, another sign of importance, because whenever something important happens, they build an altar. Like we, a few weeks ago, talked about Elijah building an altar with 12 stones, which Elijah is just repeating a pattern that already existed going back to Moses and before him. The name of the altar is the Lord, my refuge. For with a secret hand, the Lord wars with Amalek from generation to generation. So why is Moses told to write down and put in the remembrance of Joshua? Because Joshua, for his generation, is going to have to fight the Amalekites. But this isn't just the meaning that Joshua is going to have to fight the Amalekites, one, it's not that meaning because God is going to be invisibly fighting <coughs> for them, as we already saw with Moses upholding through his mediation through Moses and through Joshua to fight and destroy the Amalekites. But this is for generation to generation. <coughs> we have, in a few weeks, 
On September 14th, the exaltation of the cross, which is one of the great feasts of our Lord for the exaltation of the cross, the finding by St. Helena of the cross. And you will hear in the hymnody reference to this particular event. Because what is, as you said, what is Moses doing when he has his hands like this? He's cruciform. He has a rod that becomes a serpent and eats up all the other serpents. You have the king, the warrior, death, eating up all the other death dealers, right? You have, with Moses, who is the one who will give the law, you have all of these, let's say, images, patterns, things coming together in this one place. <clears throat> and as we sing about the cross on September 14th, and especially at the vigil the night before, this is God invisibly fighting for his people from generation to generation. But he does it in a way that is the end of all things, the fulfillment of Moses standing on that mountainside with Aaron and her holding up his hands to hold, to keep in place so that they win that battle. We even see this actually performed. Unfortunately, we don't have a bishop in residence here. <laughs> But if you were, at least in the Russian tradition, the Greeks will do this, uh, but in the Russian tradition, uh, at a cathedral, you would, for the exaltation of the cross, you would have, as a part of the vigil service, the bishop holding the cross, with two priests holding his arms, supporting him, and they will elevate it, and de-elevate it, <laughs> take it down, ascend and descend, there we go, uh, use different words. And they do this to every four corners. And this I was able to behold at the seminary. I think it was my first year at the seminary. And the resonances of what's going on. We have before us our leader, a bishop, who is in many ways in a similar position as Moses, where he's even deputized Aaron, or later in Exodus, Jethro, his father-in-law, tells him, you need to deputize some people because you're spending so much time, you're going to exhaust yourself and kill yourself doing all the work. you got to deputize. You're surrounded by, the bishop's surrounded by all of those that he's deputized, and he is elevating the life-giving cross, where God has invisibly destroyed the serpent, where he has invisibly fighting all of the Amorites, the passions, the things that beset us, the things that keep us on our journey to the promised land. So I say all of this because you should not lose heart or desire to read scripture, to help you to remember, to delve deeper into the faith to be able to pick up on and hear the resonances and the patterns of God's revelation that are deeply buried and are actually buried in some ways for some of us in great delight and others maybe a little bit more less delight and a little bit more sweat and tears and struggle but it is there to encourage us to give us desire 
to always remember God, knowing that he is fighting for us against all of our own Amalekites that beset us, that want to stop us from entering into that promised land. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.